on guard duty, uh, you need to always be at the ready. Uh, dereliction of duty, if you fall asleep at your guard post, that in a time of war is, is one of the few crimes that you can actually be put to death for. Uh, it depends on the circumstances and all of those things. But if you're at your post, you need to be at the ready. You need to be alert. You need to be paying attention because if you're in a time of war, you don't know when uh, the enemy is going to creep up. You can't just say, well, I'm going to take it easy tonight because the enemy is not going to attack at night. Or maybe, well, they only attack at night, so I'm on the day guard shift, so I'm just going to uh, relax and, and throw caution to the wind. Um, the same is true uh, when it comes to being an evangelist, when it comes to being uh, a Christian who shares uh, his, his faith with someone, who shares their faith with someone. We need to always be on the ready, and that's our point this morning, always be ready to share the gospel. Uh, we don't know when an opportunity is going to come up. We don't know when someone's going to have a conversation or maybe you encounter someone that, that all of a sudden is going through a hard time. We need to always be ready to share the gospel. And we have here in this passage, Philip meeting the Ethiopian under the direction of the Lord, and he's ready and able to share the gospel. So first this morning, be ready to share the gospel by looking for God to provide opportunities. Uh, we really need to believe and, and trust that God can provide opportunities for us to share the gospel. And one of the things that we should be looking for as a Christian, we should be praying for is, Lord, where would you use me? Who are some people in my life that I can talk to about the Lord Jesus Christ and even asking God to open those doors of opportunity? Now, in this passage, we have a very unique situation. Um, most of us, probably all of us, are not going to have an angel of the Lord come and say, I'm going to send you somewhere and this is who you can share the gospel to. So, so the situations might be different, but the, the principle of being ready and following the Lord's direction uh, is exactly the same. So we have here an angel directs Philip to travel south. Verse 26. Now a man now now. Yeah. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south. The road that goes uh, from Jerusalem uh, to Gaza. This is a desert place. And, and so it says, as he arose and went, there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had some he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. So what you notice here is that the Lord had been preparing the Ethiopian eunuch to hear the gospel. The Lord had been working in this man's life. And, and for some reason, uh, he was he had come to Jerusalem to to worship. He was uh, a proselyte of some kind coming. And, and there was in, in this time, there were oftentimes Gentiles, uh, unbelievers, people outside of Judaism who, who would take an interest in God, in the things of God. Uh, we see it in the Gospels with the centurion. Uh, we see it later on in Acts with Cornelius, who had helped build the synagogue. He was a, a foreigner, but God, in, in, in reaching out, was bringing some of these foreigners and he was preparing them uh, to hear the gospel. Uh, now, what's interesting here is, is, again, the eunuch had an interest in the Lord and he traveled to Jerusalem to worship God. 
But when he would have been in Jerusalem, he wouldn't have been allowed in the temple. One, a, a Gentile is not allowed in the inner courts of the temple. And so he's from outside of Judaism. He's from Ethiopia. He, he probably would have been a, a dark-skinned African person. But just being a Gentile, he wouldn't have been allowed in the temple. Even more, being a eunuch, he wouldn't have been allowed in the temple or even in the court of the Gentiles for the temple. Deuteronomy 23 uh, verse 1 says that, that no one who is a eunuch, uh, no one uh, who is a eunuch shall have their, uh, shall enter the assembly of the Lord. Now this is uh, the ceremonial law, but they certainly would have been in force in the temple uh, during this time. The second thing is that, that the eunuch has obtained a copy of the scroll which had Isaiah on it. Uh, he would have been he would have had this scroll. It would have written out Isaiah. He's probably reading it actually in in Greek. It's probably a Greek translation. But you can imagine this being a bit costly. Uh, this was not like a Bible that you just walk down to Lifeway Christian Bookstore. Uh, you hand them your twenty dollar bill uh, and they they say, well, which Bible would you like? Um, I don't know exactly what a scroll would have cost, but but it would have been costly. And so the Ethiopian was probably a man of some means. He was in charge of the treasure of the queen of Ethiopia. He was her her high accountant, if you will, uh, taking care of all of the treasury. And, and so he probably had some resources of his own. And he gets this scroll of Isaiah and he's reading it. And it just so happens. The circumstances are just right that Philip approaches him when he's reading about Isaiah 53. Philip is instructed to go down and, and meet the eunuch. And it's interesting to me that he's told to meet the eunuch when the eunuch is leaving Jerusalem. Now, there's no spiritual significance about him leaving Jerusalem, but you just think about how this man would have been prepared. What might have happened uh, he would have been in Jerusalem. Perhaps he tried to go into the temple, perhaps not. Perhaps he knew the rules. I, I don't entirely know. Uh, something led him uh, to buy a scroll. Why did he buy that scroll? We, we don't know. Why did he why did he decide to buy any portion of the word of God? Uh, we don't know other than in some way he's interested in the things of God. And, and the Lord uses this to prepare him to hear the gospel. The Lord uses circumstances in people's lives to prepare them to hear the gospel. And we, know, we don't know oftentimes what the Lord is doing behind the scenes. And so we need to be ready to share the word. We need, we need to, to take advantages of those opportunities as they come up. So the Spirit directs Philip directly. It's, it's a voice from, from the Holy Spirit. It's something audible. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip begins the conversation then with a question. Look at verse 30. So when Philip came to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Now, you might not know this, but uh, in the ancient world, it was more common when you read something. It was more common to read out loud, even if you're reading to yourself, uh, than to read in your mind. 
Uh, most of us, when we're just reading something, when we pick up a book, we read it in our heads. Uh, not so in the ancient world. So this is quite natural that, that the chariot is going along, and here is this eunuch, and he is reading, and he is reading to himself, but he is reading uh, out loud. And, and Philip comes along, and he hears it, and, and he hears that Isaiah is being read, and, and so Philip says, hey, do you know what you're reading? Just a, a simple question to, to initiate a conversation. And, and, of course, this gives him opportunity then to explain the word of God. Look at verse 31. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And the, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So the eunuch doesn't understand what he's reading, and he needs someone still with, with all that is going on, with all that God has done uh, to prepare the eunuch, someone needs to explain the gospel to him. Now, you can get saved just by reading the word of God. Uh, it happens. It hap- it's happened in church history. It's happened in people that I know that they just were led to, to read the word of God and they opened it and they're reading it and the, the Holy Spirit gave them illumination and they understood what they were reading and they said, I need to believe in this. But the normal means, the most common way that God uses is people sharing the word of God. And so you think of Romans chapter 10 says this, how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe on him in whom they have never heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how how are they to preach unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. The normal means that God uses to save people is one person telling another person, one person preaching the gospel, sharing the faith. Now, when I say preaching here, I don't mean that it always has to be from the pulpit. It can be a one-on-one. Anytime you testify to the truth about what Jesus has done, you share that he died on the cross, that he rose again from the dead, you are evangelizing. You are, in a sense, preaching the gospel. The the Greek word for gospel is euangelion, and and you evangelize it. It's where we get the word evangelize from. You, You share it. You are proclaiming it. Someone needs to take the word to the eunuch. Someone needs to take the word to people that God is working in and preparing. Now, the, the, the thing is, we don't know where God is working, and so we are called to take the gospel into the whole world. But as we are sharing the gospel, we will encounter people that God has been working in, where the Spirit will use your sharing of the word of God to, to open their eyes. And you don't know when God is going to do that. And that's why we need to be ready and take advantage of, of every opportunity. Uh, again, what is so interesting here is that God uses human beings. God could have saved this eunuch directly. God could have um, had him believe just by reading Isaiah or had him believe while he was in Jerusalem. But God's timing is perfect and he sent Philip at just the right moment, so that Philip would share the gospel. Let me give you some some practical tips. How can I be ready to share the gospel? First this morning, recognize 
that by virtue of being a Christian, God has sent you into the world. So, the first way I can be ready to share the gospel is I, I just have to know that I am sent. That God has this commission and it applies to each and every believer. Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20. Jesus said to them, this is to the disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Uh, Now there is, I think, in, in Scripture, a gift of evangelism. And some people are are particularly and uniquely gifted at it. But every Christian is called to take the gospel, to be an evangelist, to be someone who's willing to talk to other people and share what the Lord Jesus has done. Second, you need to know that God is still preparing hearts to hear the gospel. One of the ways you can be ready to share the gospel is recognize God is the one who makes people ready. God is the one who prepares people. When there are those uh, opportunities, those unique circumstances, when someone comes to you or or you hear that someone has a a particular need or something is going on in your life, God is the one. And you don't have to be fearful about stepping up to share the gospel because you can say, you know what? If God is working in this person, maybe God is the one that put me here. You can trust that, that, that it is not up to me to save the individual but I am simply the instrument, the, the tool that God can give the right words to that I might share the gospel at just the right moment. Uh, let me just encourage you in that respect that if it is the right moment, if it is the time and God has put you there, don't wait and say, well, you know, I'll wait till later to talk to them or I'll wait till so-and-so can talk to them or I'll, I'll call the pastor and I'll have him come uh, and do it, that that might be the moment Uh, that God has prepared you for and put you in that situation, just as God put Philip at that moment, at that perfect time, right there for the eunuch to have someone to explain it. Let me just give you another practical piece of advice uh, about being ready, and that's don't be afraid to start a conversation or even uh, ask a question. I love the way that Philip uh, approaches the eunuch here. And and some of us, uh, myself included, are just not very good at just going up to random people on the street uh, and starting a conversation. But but there's just this unique situation here where he's reading the word of God. And Philip just says, do you understand what you're reading? You might be in a similar situation. Maybe you see someone at work opening up their Bible, and maybe you know they're a Christian, so you start a conversation with them. Maybe you don't know if they're a Christian, and so you might just ask them, well, I I see you're reading your Bible. Is this a new thing, or what are you reading? Or you start to to talk about it. There have been times in my life where I've started conversations uh, with people along similar things, and I end up finding out they are a Christian already, uh, but it builds a, a common bond. Uh, You might hear of something going on in someone's life and and you might just ask them, you know, is there something I can pray for you about? Uh, uh, You might use that as a way to approach a conversation and and talk to them about God. Uh, I know one pastor who, when he's at a restaurant before before he eats, he will he will say to the waitress, he will say something like, you know, hey, we always uh, pray before we eat. Is there anything that I can pray for you about? Uh, and that has led to some conversations. Uh, I know I know another uh, 
pastor. It, this is a little more uh, quirky in, in my opinion. But what, what he does is when someone asks him, how are you doing? Uh, he always says, well, I'm doing better than I deserve. And, and people always look at him like, what, you know? And, and so then he explains. He, he, sometimes he'll even just ask him, do you know why I say that? And uh, sometimes people, uh, I was at a restaurant with him one time, and, and the, the person just looked at him very weird and was trying to, thought he was maybe depressed or something and was trying to encourage him. And Because and who says, well, I'm doing better than I deserve? And so he, he started to talk a little bit about the grace of God. But, but you can just, in normal ways, ask questions to people. And then the fourth thing you can do to be ready is ask the Lord to open your eyes and lay a burden on your heart. Um, John chapter 4, verse 35 says, Do not say there are four months, uh, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white with harvest. Then he said to them, this is Luke 10, 2, Then he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest to, to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. Uh, we do need to have a sense that people have a great need for the gospel. And, and sometimes, and even in my own life, I'm guilty of just going through the daily things, getting on with my business and not paying attention and not being sensitive to people's needs uh, when I encounter them, particularly uh, when I'm out in public and maybe around people even that I don't know. But we need to ask the Lord, Lord, give me a burden for the lost. Maybe there's a neighbor that you can share the gospel with. Maybe there's a, a co-worker. And you just ask the Lord, give me an opportunity. Lay this uh, burden on my heart. Help me to be more evangelistic. You might be in situations where, you know what, maybe you don't get the whole gospel in in one conversation. But you build a relationship with someone and they begin to trust you and they can talk with you about it. Uh, or, or maybe... Um, maybe you don't. Maybe you, you only see a person one time, and you, you you don't even share the whole gospel, but you get a little bit of a seed. You don't know how the Lord is going to use that, but it's about being faithful, being there, and taking advantage of the opportunities. And and you know what? Don't beat yourself up if you if you miss an opportunity. I've I've had that happen to me where I'm in a conversation with someone and and they say something and I don't think of what to say right away or I, I just kind of miss what they're maybe hinting at and then like two hours later when I'm back home I go oh, you know what I could have I could have got the gospel in there a little bit or I could have maybe said something a little more uh, more spiritual um, don't beat yourself up over that just use it as a learning experience uh, use it as something about okay well next time I'm in that situation I will try to pay attention a, a little a little more and then uh, just um, ask for God-ordained opportunities. I think not only should we pray that we'd have a burden, not only should we pray that we wouldn't miss people, but we, we, we shouldn't be afraid to, to say, God, I'm, I'm scared about starting a conversation, but, but give me an opportunity. Put someone there and, and make it obvious enough that, that I and my slowness uh, can see it. And I, I say that of myself. You know, Make it obvious enough, Lord, that, that I can see this moment coming and and I don't miss it and and the Lord I believe will genuinely uh, use that uh, now the flip side of it is we, we can't just sit back and say okay well I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for the opportunity I've prayed for it and, and have in our minds this narrow moment of I'm not going to share the gospel until someone comes up to me and says Tim what is the gospel 
I mean, we, we might have to initiate the conversation a little more, but, but praying for the opportunities and, and realizing that, that the Lord will direct us. The Lord will give us wisdom uh, what to say. So that's, that's the first thing we need to see this morning. Be ready uh, to share the gospel. Be ready for those opportunities. Be prepared for it. The second thing we need to see this morning is be ready to share the gospel by knowing God's word. So, so on the one hand, uh, we should have our eyes up. We should be looking out. We should be thinking about people who are around us. Be ready for those spiritual opportunities. Sensitive when things are going on in people's lives where we can share the gospel. On the other hand, we can prepare ourselves by knowing God's word. If you were asked to share the gospel, if I came up to you today and said, tell me how to be saved, what would you say to me? If I said to you, where are some verses that I can find out about Jesus and hear what he's done for me? What would you say? What, what verses would you take me to? So we see in this passage that the Ethiopian then is reading Isaiah uh, 53. It's verses 32 and 33. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led out to slaughter, like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generations? For his life is taken from the earth. Uh, it's exactly uh, the words of, of Isaiah 53. It's actually a little closer uh, to the Greek translation, but it's, it's the same thing. This idea that here is this one who is cut off, who was oppressed and afflicted. He didn't speak. Jesus is taken to the cross and he doesn't lash out. He doesn't rebuke his opponents. He is humiliated. Uh, and in his humiliation, justice is denied him. It's this unjust crucifixion where he is punished for sins that he didn't do. He's taking our place and then he's cut off from the land of the living. He doesn't have any future generation, meaning he doesn't have any more life. Uh, it's, it's a prophecy of his death. Uh, of course, the, the passage goes on in Isaiah 53 and mentions the resurrection, not directly with the word resurrection, but it hints at it. Uh, so the Ethiopian then asks about the passage, uh, verse 34, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? What's interesting today is that scholars still debate, is Isaiah 53 about Jesus, which evangelicals say, of course it is, and sometimes then you have unbelieving uh, Old Testament scholars who say, no, it's not about Jesus, it's about uh, Isaiah, or it's about uh, this idea of Israel being God's servant. Uh, so the eunuch even asks that question. What, what is this passage about? And Philip is able to say, well, you know, this passage is about Jesus, and it's actually about things that just happened recently uh, in Jerusalem, not too long ago, maybe uh, a year ago or so from the time where Philip is. So it says, then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with this scripture. He told him of the good news about Jesus. This would have been Philip following the example of what Jesus has done. Jesus, in the end of Luke, meets with the disciples, and it says that he explains from the scriptures, starting with Moses and the law. He explains from all of the scriptures how it prophesies that the Christ must suffer and rise again to glory. 
So it says in Luke 24, these are the words that I spoke to you when I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. So so three things that Jesus says the Old Testament prophesied. One, that the Messiah would die. Two, that the Messiah would rise from the dead. And three, that repentance would be preached to the nations. Forgiveness of sins be proclaimed to all the nations. And so Philip, just like Jesus had showed him how to do, uh, Philip can start with Isaiah 53 and he can say, let me tell you about Jesus. Philip uses the word of God. And, and let that be an example to us. The, the, the weapon that we have, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. If you don't know what to say when you're evangelizing someone, quote them a Bible verse. Quote them John 3.16. Say to them, do you know that the Bible says that God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life? Do you know if you have everlasting life? Have you ever heard that verse before or thought about it? Maybe you ask him, do you believe uh, in Jesus that he died on the cross? We then see the Ethiopian ask to be baptized. This symbolizes, this lets us know uh, that he's becoming saved. He's believing in the Lord Jesus at some point. So they're driving along. He makes some sort of profession of faith, and they see this water, and and the Ethiopian says, look, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Meaning, you know, it's like saying, hey, I really believe in this Jesus. I want to be his follower. Is there any reason I can't get down here in this water and be baptized? And, of course, uh, it says in verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. There's a, there's a good um, uh, verse for, for Baptists and, and those of us that immerse. He went down into the water. Uh, you could really, I guess, uh, drive that point home. But, but, but the idea is they get out of this chariot. They were going along. They go into the water, and it's just a normal uh, baptism ceremony. What's fascinating to me, and this actually didn't dawn on me until I was reading it this week, and, and actually one of the commentaries pointed this out, is that the Ethiopian eunuch is the first fully Gentile convert that we see in the book of Acts. Uh, We have Jewish believers that were getting saved. Uh, We have uh, Samaritans, uh, which would have been, you know, a mix of of Jewish. Uh, They were getting saved. But but the first one that's identified. Now, maybe there were some Gentiles in Jerusalem that had already gotten saved. We We don't know that. The first one that Luke draws our attention to is this Ethiopian from Africa who's returning down to Africa, and Philip meets him. What's also fascinating is this actually fulfills some prophecies in Isaiah. Isaiah 45 says this, Thus saith the Lord, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush. Cush is another name for Ethiopia. In fact, when they translated 
the Hebrew into Greek, they said, Ethiopia. Thus says the Lord, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Ethiopia and the Sabaeans, men of stature, shall come over to you and be yours. They shall follow you. They will come over in chains and bow down to you. They will plead with you, saying, surely God is in you and there is no other, no God besides you. They uh, truly, you are God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. This is a prophecy saying there will be a time when when Egyptians and Ethiopians and Sabaeans, they start getting saved. They come and they, they join the people of God and they look at God and they say, surely God is here in you, in your midst and working amongst you. And this is precisely what happens. We have an Ethiopian, a, a rather rich Ethiopian, where, where Luke highlights this guy had some wealth and he took care of the queen's wealth. And he comes and he becomes a believer. Even more, uh, Isaiah 56 says this of, of eunuchs. Thus saith the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, who minister to him to love the name of the Lord and to his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant. And Isaiah 56, 8 says this, the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Uh, this is very similar to what Jesus says. When, when Jesus is talking about himself being the good shepherd, he says, I have other sheep not of this fold, meaning people outside of Israel. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. What I, what I want you to see here is that the eunuch becomes a believer the Ethiopian eunuch. And that, that actually fulfills or reminds us of two passages of Scripture, that, it, that God is working his plan just as he promised he would do. And Philip has this opportunity to be a part of it. You see, when you and I evangelize, when we share the gospel, we are working as servants as a part of God's plan. And so, you know, this eunuch, under the ceremonial law, he would not have been allowed in the temple. That doesn't mean that God didn't love eunuchs or God didn't love Ethiopians. It, it just, there was ceremonial law that was in place. Now that Jesus has come and, and fulfills that law, God shows us the heart that he's always had for the lost, the heart that he's always had, even for people outside of the nation of Israel. And, and so he had these promises in Isaiah that, that there will be a time when, when if this unit comes, he won't be excluded through the ceremonial law anymore. He'll have a name before God, an, an everlasting name. You think of the prophecy in Revelation that, that, that believers are given a new name that, that only we know. It, it's this picture of God sends the gospel to the lost. And, and it's not just the lost in Israel. Uh, as important as Israel is in, in the plan of God, in the history of God, in the purposes of God, God's plan has always been, I'll extend my glory outward. I'll, I'll let it be shown over the whole earth. And people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, they will come to me. But God is the one who does the work. God is the one who sees that the gospel is going out. 
But God is the one who puts us at particular places, at particular moments, in particular times, so that we might be his servants. God could have smacked the Ethiopian upside the head. He could have come down in a blinding light like he did with the, that he did with Saul, and we'll, we'll see that in a few uh, next week, actually, Lord willing. He could have done it that way. But the normal means that God uses is he puts a servant, a fellow Christian, another believer who can share the gospel. And you and I are often the ones that he calls. So then the passage ends. The Holy Spirit miraculously uh, takes Philip away. Uh, This just, again, goes to highlight the the plan and purpose of God of putting Philip there, and he takes him and he moves him again uh, to another city, a a city closer to the coast. Uh, Azotus is, is its name. But let me ask you, a couple preparation questions. Keeping in mind this idea of, of how Philip was ready and the fact that Philip knew the word of God. First, am I prepared in knowing the scriptures? Uh, if someone asks me about Jesus or about God or about what I believe, uh, could, I, could I lead them to the Lord? Uh, I'm, I'm talking about a, a basic knowledge of scripture. Uh, God doesn't call all of us to be, to be theologians. You, you don't all have to purchase like a four-volume systematic theology and, and have it on your shelves and, and read it. Uh, if, you, if you do that, uh, that'd be great. I'd, I'd, I'd love that. But, you know, God doesn't call all of us to those tasks. He doesn't call all of us to be pastors or all of us to be Sunday school teachers, but he does call all of us to take the gospel to people that we know. So could I do that? Um, second, And this is a little more challenging, I think. Could I, if I had to, could I share the gospel from the Old Testament? Now, thankfully, we have the Old and New Testament. But but if, if you absolutely had to, if you encountered a Jewish person, would you know where to take them in the Old Testament to show them that that the scriptures that they believe in had promised a Messiah? Isaiah 53 would be a perfect one. You could take them to some of the promises made to David. Uh, Psalm 72, Psalm 2, 2 Samuel 7. But am I familiar enough and am, am I growing enough in my knowledge of the Word of God that I'm comfortable in both the Old and New Testament? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not going to like tie your hand behind your back and say, next time you go and evangelize, don't even use the New Testament. But, but I'm saying if you had to, what's your knowledge of Scripture look like? And let me just encourage you to, to take some steps to prepare. Maybe you can memorize some verses. If, you, if you've never memorized John 3.16 uh, or 1 John 1.9 is another good one. Uh, there's also a series of verses that, that sometimes gets called the Romans Road. And, and when I was a camp counselor in at, at Victory Valley, this is the one that I always used because you, you're just in the book of Romans and you bounce through a few verses. But it basically goes, uh, Romans uh, 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, and then uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart uh, that, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, uh, we will be saved. And I, I kind of 
the last one I messed up from memory. But 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 if you walk them through that, and even what we did, what, what we did as camp counselors sometimes is um, we would write in, in the front of our Bible some of these verses in case we panicked and forgot. You know, if, if you're not uh, a person that easily remembers uh, what to say or where to go, put a little tract uh, in your wallet or your purse and, and carry it with you. Um, uh, let me ask you another question. Am I prepared in my heart to be an evangelist? So do I recognize the plan and, and purpose of God? And, and I've tried to give you a little bit of a picture of that this morning, that God has this plan, and he is fulfilling, and he is taking that gospel to the, to the nations. And, and part of that is York County. Um, we are very far from Jerusalem, but we are part of God's plan, and, and he can use us where we are. Am I sensitive to God's leading and guiding for evangelistic opportunities? Now, if you start hearing voices in your head, uh, I'm going to ask and see if there are some things going on that, that are not the Lord's leading. But the Lord still lays burdens on our hearts. And, and sometimes that is the Lord directing. When you're in a conversation with someone and you feel this weight of, I should say something to this person. Uh, we just had somebody call the church the other week and uh, was talking with this person. And, and I just felt like in the conversation, I, I just... Can't, I shouldn't hang up without at least asking them if they're, if they're saved, if they know the Lord. Now, this person already knew the Lord, and it led to some great conversations. But, but I just kind of believe that in that moment, there was this feeling, this weightiness that I really need to say something. And, and usually when people call, if it's someone I don't know, uh, and they're not looking really to come to church, I don't, you know, if they're trying to sell me something, I don't just start into conversation of evangelism with them. But, it, but in this situation, I just felt I got to say something. And I, what I'm telling you is the Lord still does that. He might not tell you, you know, oh, go out on the street and there'll be this guy, this Amish person coming down the street in this horse and buggy and, and walk next to them and, and see what they're reading uh, like he did sort of with Philip. But he will lay burdens on your heart. And we need to be ready and respond. And then just lastly, believe that God can save people. Believe that the gospel is the power of God. We're not going to be motivated to evangelize unless we really understand, I don't save anyone. God does it. And he can take these words, and I can even mess up or say something that I wish I would have said that better, and as long as I'm sharing the word of God, God can use that. God can use even me. Let's close uh, in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we just thank you for this day and pray that you would encourage us and motivate us to be uh, more evangelistic. Help us uh, in our daily lives to be willing to, to take the gospel out there. Help me as well. Uh, to be willing to talk to people uh, about the gospel and pray that you would use it and bring fruit and, and as we have opportunities that you would bring uh, people to salvation. We just thank you so much for how you brought this eunuch, uh, this man from far away, this man who under the Old Testament wouldn't have been allowed into your presence because of the ceremonial law. And you brought him near to you and you saved him and you made him part of the one body of Christ. Uh, and we trust that and know that you are still doing that today. In your precious name we pray. Amen.